Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast at the Leading Age Conference in Atlanta, where we'll share the latest information from industry leaders. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Newsmakers podcast. I'm here at Leading Age today with Jim Newbro, CEO of Menorah Park in Cleveland. Menorah emerged with Montefiore in home in 2020, bringing together 1,500 residents and 1,500 staff members under one umbrella organization with a shared board. Jim is here to tell us a little today about the why and the how of the process. Hi, Jim. Hi, nice to meet you. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what brought about the decision to merge and how long that process took. Sure. Uh, the decision to merge was brought about because the community was supporting two organizations that were competing with each other, and we thought it would be better served to use all those resources to support one organization going forward, um, and it would make the, the organization much, much more stronger and much more viable. The time frame it took to do that, actually, believe it or not, we were two years doing due diligence until we finally consummated the deal. So what were some of the key steps in that two-year process then? Well, there was a, to start out with, we did a little bit of an unusual process with due diligence. We didn't start out with the financial and all of that that you normally do. Um, we realized that the impediment to this was probably going to be in the governance area, the board area. And so we started out there looking at what the governance would look like, the surviving organization, the board composition, how many from this organization, that organization, um, and those sorts of things. That took us a year to get that done. Um, but once we had a memorandum of understanding of how the company would look and be structured, then we were able to go forward with your traditional due diligence, your legal, financial, okay. all of that. And what about the conversations that you obviously were pulling residents from, from different places and uh, you know, how did you have to think collectively about how you would make sure that you had uh, full beds but also still be able to offer vital services to your residents? Sure. Well, both organizations had uh, 100 plus years of being in existence. So there was a long legacy and a long history of excellence and caring and providing the services for the residents. So as part of our due diligence, we really looked at the need, the community need, what would be needed now and in the future. And if we put the organizations together, would we be able to provide that service going forward as one organization? Um, and in doing that, we came to the conclusion that yes, we would. And we'd actually be able to do it more efficiently and more effectively than if we were two separate organizations. Okay, great point. So let me ask you if I can a little bit about the efficiencies. Um, I, I think one of the challenges when you are looking at a merger, your staff will instantly think my job's at risk. How do you talk to your staff and how do you figure out how you can be efficient but keep your, your human capital, keep your people up there? Um, that, that's a great question. Communication is the key. You have to communicate with people throughout the process. So the first year of due diligence, we were very quiet as we went through the governance and all that. But as we started getting more into the due diligence and looking at how we would gain efficiencies or what we would do, we started communicating with our management, with our staff. We didn't want to lose any key people in the process, so we wanted them to understand that there was a future for them in the organization. We were going to try to achieve efficiencies, but we did have a need to keep those people. Um, we did not eliminate any direct caregiving staff or anything as part of the, uh, the affiliation when we came together. We did eliminate back office functions, um, and we, we tried to be very um, thoughtful about how we did that. We offered outplacement and severance packages and things such as that but we that's how we achieved the savings was eliminating a lot of duplication and inefficiency in your finance your billing your HR sure. sort of those back office functions so some of the probably vendor relationships too yes. if you were using two different companies you yes. could choose one and go forward exactly 
So those are some of the challenges. Talk about some of the outcomes that you've had and, and successes. Sure. So, you know, we were able to achieve the cost savings we thought we would achieve and, and with affiliating. We had projected we would achieve about $2 million in cost savings initially by eliminating duplication. We actually achieved about $2.7 million. Um, so we've, done, we've gone beyond that. Um, we've also, I think, been able to sort of unite the community that was supporting two separate organizations in the Jewish community there. We've united them into one cohesive group. So we have one board, um, we have one donor base that we're working with now, and a much larger community that's supporting the organization. So that's been uh, a great success. Of course, the one thing we did not plan for in all of our planning that we did was a COVID, a global pandemic. And so that's made it a lot more challenging because we actually affiliated we signed the. Um, we agreed to do it a week before the shutdown. We completed the affiliation in July um, during the pandemic. So it's been challenging to get people together, to bring cultures together, to try to bring the organizations together when you have to stay separate because of COVID. So that's that's been a challenge for us. But we're coming out of that now, and we're starting to really feel like um, we're, we're doing. We have a great future ahead of us. So you're a year into it, it this summer. Uh, did you? Did you feel that there was kind of a, a parallel system in place that the, the strategies you were using in one building could then work in another? You were sharing ideas through COVID, even if you couldn't be together. Yes, yes, I felt like we were able to take best practices from both buildings and and use those to model what we were doing going forward. Um, we had multiple independent livings, memory care. So again, how could we socialize? How could we get people, even though they were isolated, how could we have things? And so there were a lot of great minds at work to sort of figure that out. And when you bring two organizations together that are both successful, it magnifies that. So again, I think I think it was really helpful to be able to bring everyone together, to be able to challenge everyone to, you know, how can we how can we be better during COVID? Um, and, and you saw a lot of great ideas, and we could pick and choose and share and then implement those across all entities. So I think that was really great. Terrific. Um, and then just one more question on that in terms of structure and leadership within your multiple sites. Um, how do you actually coordinate conversations? Is it weekly, daily? Just a little bit about what that looks like. You know, we started out uh, with the traditional, you'd kind of have weekly meetings or things like that. We've kind of gone more to a daily huddle concept okay. because things are changing so rapidly and new guidelines, new things are coming out. So we've, we've cut down the length of these meetings to be more of a quick sort of daily huddle. What's going on? What, is, what does it look like today? Where are we at with COVID? Where are we at with um, staffing? Because everyone's experiencing staffing shortages and issues. Um, where are we at with census, all that? So we've gone to shorter meetings, briefer meetings, um, and we continue to use Zoom. Um, you know, we're, I mean, we're not meeting in person simply because uh, of the, you know, the issues with the spread of the Delta variant and other things. So, obviously, you're happy with the way the process has panned out for you and, and all the work you put into it. Talk a little bit about why you want others to look at mergers as a possible solution if they're looking for some path forward. Sure. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is we realized as, as two nonprofit organizations that both have been around for more than 100 years, that not both organizations were going to be able to survive going into this future. We were single-site, standalone entities. We were competing with each other and using a lot of our resources to compete with each other. So we realized that by working together, we were able to strengthen the organization, really solidify a better future. And I would encourage others, you know, there are many organizations out there that are that are struggling with their strategic plans and their way forward. How do they go forward? What are they going to do? 
um, and they're trying to figure it out on their own, uh, you know, sort of insulated. Well, I, my suggestion would be reach out to others. You know, we've had conversations with many other organizations. There's a lot of ways you can structure these things, a lot of ways you can make it work. So, again, um, I would say you're not in it alone. There are others out there you could potentially work with and, you know, reach out and, and try to collaborate more. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights, Jim. For McKnight's, this is Senior Editor Kim Marcellus. Have a great day. Thanks for listening, and be sure to listen to our other podcasts from the Leading Age Conference in Atlanta.